Our sermon text for this evening is Philippians chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. What we're going to do, though, is start at verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. This is the inspired word of God. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful to have come into your presence tonight in prayer. Lord, we know that you are the one who calls us to gather in the name of Christ to sing your psalms, to pray, to read your word, and to hear your word preached. And Lord, as we have studied your scriptures, we've learned that you speak in the public reading of your word, but you also speak through preaching. And Lord, we want to hear your voice. We do ask that you would help us to be Bereans. And as we hear your word preached, to look at the text and see whether it is so. We do pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to be disciples who know your word. So we would ask that you would help us to memorize it, to know it. And Lord, we do pray that you would search our hearts, our souls, our circumstances, that you would apply your word to us that you would help us, that you would rebuke us if needed, that you would give us direction, that you would comfort us, strengthen us. Lord, you know how we need you. And so we'd ask that you would hear our prayer, and we'd ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I have a question for you. I'm, I'm wondering how you're doing. I mean that. I've been uh, dealing with a couple things throughout this week that have been taking up a lot of real estate in my heart and in my mind. Maybe you've noticed that in my psalm selections already uh, this evening. 
Uh, sometimes, you know, when, you, when something comes up in your life, uh, it might be a thing that's on repeat. You wish you could hit pause, but you can't. And the thought uh, comes uh, again and again, whether you want it to or uh, whether you don't. I, I don't know if you've experienced that. I, I think that you probably have. Um, and when you're going through a trial or when you are shaken for some reason, uh, that is a time when you really find yourself in need of uh, some serious encouragement, in need of God's comfort, in need of God's grace. And I wonder uh, if, like me, you find yourself in that place uh, this evening. Well, the Philippians were certainly in need of God's grace. As we've studied the book of Philippians, we discovered that this church was dealing with several things. Uh, They were dealing with persecution from uh, their outside unbelieving community. They were dealing with um, some division within the church. Uh, Some people were kind of at each other. And, And so that was going on. And um, on top of everything else, they had to uh, keep the, the continual threat of uh, false doctrine. They had, they had to keep that in their mind, uh, to watch, to make sure that nothing creeped in. And as Paul brings this book to a close, he aims to encourage the Philippians by sending greetings to them from himself and from the church. And then he pronounces a blessing upon them. In verse 23, you can see, Uh, that Paul talks about grace in our text. But in truth, I think that we see God's grace in each of these three verses. So we're going to ask the question, where do we see God's grace in this passage? And we're going to begin with our first heading, which is the unifying grace of Christ. The unifying grace of Christ. Our text opens in verse 21 with Paul writing, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Paul says, Greet all of God's people on my behalf. And by the way, all of the Christians who are with me here in Rome, they send their greetings to you as well. So essentially you have one body of believers that are saying, Hello, to the other body of believers, right? So where do you see God's grace in that? Where is God's blessing? How is Jesus coming alongside of you, his church, and supporting you? I think it's seen in the body of Christ itself, the church. It's seen in the community that Jesus assembled by the power of his spirit. It's seen in the institution of the church which he established and which he maintains. The Philippians were not alone in their struggles and it was encouraging to receive greetings from the church at Rome. Likewise, the church at Rome had its own hardships. We've we've read about those. And when Epaphroditus arrived from Philippi, it brought them encouragement as well brought them relief. Listen, sometimes life in the body, it can be painful. But you need to guard 
your heart and your mind to keep your focus on Christ. He is good. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And there is a purpose for every single thing that we experience. Look around you. You're surrounded. You're absolutely surrounded by people who love you. And that's why I would say again, guard your heart and guard your mind. You need the body of Christ. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be, as we close this book, we're going to move around a little bit um, and look at various texts. But if you look at chapter 1 in verse 3 and 4, Paul is so thankful for the Philippians and he tells them how he gives thanks to God for them. And then in verse 5, he says, I thank God for you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that word partnership in, is the Greek word koinonia, fellowship. Christians have supernatural fellowship or union with one another. And that union is rooted in the gospel. And Paul is thankful for the fellowship he has in the church. He's thankful for that supernatural union and communion we have in Christ. When the Apostles' Creed talks about the church, it talks about the communion of saints. Maybe you're familiar with that phrase. And, and they're not talking about uh, the Lord's Supper. They're not talking about Holy Communion. No, uh, it's talking about that mystical communion that we enjoy as members of the body of Christ. When you worship Christ on Sunday, you enjoy fellowship with him in the Spirit. You are mystically united to him. As a believer, you have been engrafted into Christ. You're connected to him, really and truly, mystically, but really and truly. The same is true with other believers that are around you. And through Christ, you are united to other believers. We have a supernatural bond in the Spirit. And this is why we have affection for one another. And this love we have for one another compels us to come alongside one another and to bear one another's burdens. And we do that, don't we? We rejoice with one another. When one of us makes some milestone achievement, we have a graduation, others of us show up and we celebrate and we rejoice with you. When someone is in mourning, we cry with one another. We pray with one another. Sometimes we organize meal trains or we help one another move. We give one another clothes and furniture and money if necessary. However we can help one another, we do it. We love one another. And Paul, he talks about this in verse 7. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The word partakers is also from that koinonia word group. 
Paul says, you're all fellowshippers with me. You were fellowshippers with me in my imprisonment and in my, in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. He's saying, my, my troubles were your troubles. You've come alongside of me. Look back at chapter 4, verse 14. You'll see there, Paul says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. You see that. Again, that word share is in that same koinonia uh, word group. Paul says, it was kind of you to fellowship in my trouble. The Philippians shared their resources with Paul. You see, Christians are united to one another in Christ, and Jesus is at work in the body of Christ. Where is his grace seen? He's at work in and through his people. His grace is given to and through his people. And you're called to love the church. Philippians 2, verses 2 and 3 say, Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, more important than yourself. From time to time, conflict is going to arise in the church, and we are called to do our best to resolve it. And when it is over non-essentials, we are called to agree in the Lord. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Everyone should know about it. Your reasonableness, your gentleness, your flexibility, your willingness to give, your willingness to concede. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. God's grace is seen and experienced in the church and through the transforming grace of Christ. That's our second heading, the thing I want to look at next. The transforming grace of Christ. It must have brought smiles to the face of the Philippians when they received greetings from the church at Rome. But when they heard verse 22, uh, mouths must have fallen open in shock. And they must have been astonished on the one hand and filled with joy on the other. Verse 22 says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Nero was the emperor of Rome at the time of this writing. You might know something of Nero, and that's because he's infamous. He was notorious for his wicked, his wickedness. Greetings are coming from Nero's household? Who is Paul referring to? And how did this happen? 
Well, Paul, again, he hopes to encourage the Philippians with news that even some of the Roman emperor's staff have, have turned to the gospel. That phrase, Caesar's household, it likely refers to the imperial guard as well as slaves and freed slaves who served the emperor as part of his entourage there in Rome. So we're probably talking about soldiers and cooks and housekeepers and civil servants. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, we learn that Paul was preaching to his guards. Uh, He says that the whole imperial guard knows that his imprisonment is for Christ. And you might remember that the imperial guard were hand-picked veterans from the Roman military And they acted as personal bodyguards to Caesar and also as intelligent agents for the Roman emperor. And one of their duties was to guard very important prisoners. And these guards observed and listened to Paul. They heard the gospel. The prison, in fact, became saturated with the gospel. Paul said that the imperial guard and All the rest know that his imprisonment is for Christ. In verse 22, you see the results of the transforming grace of Christ being poured out. You see that in people who are being converted to Christianity. Unlikely converts. Unlikely converts. And we all know that salvation is monergistic. Regeneration is the exclusive work of the Holy Spirit. So this is a work of Christ. This is Christ's grace being poured out. But God wasn't just transforming unbelievers. God was transforming believers as well. In Philippians 1, verse 14, Paul said that believers there were no longer fearful. They became confident in the Lord, and they began to engage others with the gospel as well. And the Philippians, they must have been amazed by this news. They must have been truly encouraged. Philippi was a small, patriotic Roman colony, uh, the kind of place that Roman soldiers went to when they retired. And again, the Philippian church was facing opposition there from the unbelieving community. And if God was transforming lives like this in Rome, then God could do this in Philippi as well, right? You know who else must have been surprised by all of this? The saints from Caesar's household. This was... This was all brand new to them. They've come from death to life, from darkness to light, from paganism to Christianity. And for for the first time, they're seeing the world as it truly is through the lens of the word of God. And now they have the Holy Spirit within them, teaching them and guiding them. And they've learned that they have brothers and sisters in communities all around the known world, across the Adriatic Sea, even there in Philippi. Paul tells the Philippians, all the saints greet you. 
especially those of Caesar's household. Sometimes God does amazing things. Amazing things when you least expect it. Have you ever seen a movie with a fantastic, one of those fantastic surprise endings? You know, it's just everything turns around at the end of the movie and, and you think, wow, what a change of events. Listen, those writers are rank amateurs compared to God. Amateurs. You might find yourself in a circumstance that you would never choose if it were up to you. And then God does something wonderful through it. Sometimes God uses our suffering to open up doors and give us opportunities that we would have never had otherwise. You might think of what God did through Joseph when he went to Egypt or with Queen Esther when she saved or helped and was part of saving the ancient church. Our job is to be faithful wherever God has us. God used Paul's imprisonment so that the gospel would advance. And, and Paul embraced that in Philippians 1.7. Paul says that he was graced with imprisonment. He's graced with imprisonment. You see, Paul welcomed suffering for Christ. And Paul's prison became a new venue to spread the gospel. And as Paul told people about Jesus, grace was poured out and people believed, many of them from Caesar's household. And I wonder, I wonder if there are people here who were unbelievers. If so, know this, there is no coincidence that you are hearing this message, a message about grace that's poured out and people who are being converted, people who are coming to Christianity. And know this, God is calling you. He very definitely is calling you to believe in Jesus, to become a Christian. He's calling on you today, this very day. What will you do? You should believe God is pouring out his grace today. He would embrace you, adopt you. And like the Philippians who heard about the news of these new believers there in Rome, in Caesar's household, we would rejoice and welcome you. But what should you do? If this is you, well, you should pray. And you should talk to someone around you. Tell them that you believe. God will help you walk with him. He will give you the strength. He will equip you. And we see that in verse 23. We see the equipping grace of Christ. That's our third heading, the equipping grace of Christ. As we get to the last verse of the, book, of the book of Philippians, we have a benediction from Paul. Well, what's a benediction? It's a blessing. It's an utterance bestowed upon the people of God. God instituted the Aaronic benediction after the inauguration of the Levitical priesthood. In number six, God says, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, 
Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. A benediction is a word from God delivered through his ministers, the ministers of his word, to his people for the purpose of sustaining and strengthening their faith. God pronounces a blessing upon the Philippians in verse 23, writing, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is a blessing bestowed upon the people of God so that they'd be equipped with everything they need to live lives that were a glory to Christ. And as we've looked at the book of Philippians, we've seen that we are to be people, a people that looks to and that relies upon God for power and for strength. And we've been told that God will equip us with everything that we need. In chapter 4, Paul said, that over his 30 years of walking with the Lord, he had learned to be confident in the Lord. Whether he was experiencing a season of calm and blessing or a season of pain and trial and discomfort. Why was he confident? Because time after time after time, God always provided him with the grace he needed. Paul was confident that he would be divinely strengthened to do anything and everything that the Lord Jesus called him to do. And we see that in his imprisonment, right? Paul is writing from a prison cell and there is a date that's already been set for his trial. He's about to come before the emperor Nero and make his defense. What do you suppose Paul's defense is going to be? It's going to be the gospel, isn't it? His defense is going to be uh, that the word of God is true, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins, and that he was raised from the dead, and that he's now sitting enthroned in heaven as king. Paul's going to testify that this risen Jesus spoke to him and commissioned him, He's going to affirm that Jesus appointed him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, even to the kings of the nations, indeed to anybody and everybody that would cross the Apostle Paul's path. How do you suppose that's going to be received? Empowered with the grace of of the Lord Jesus, Paul could truly say, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul was strengthened by the Holy Spirit to take up the cross of the suffering Christ. As Paul explained to the Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is what it means to have Christ as the conscious center of everything. To live a life, a manner of life worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
where do we get this kind of power? Where do we get this kind of fire, this boldness? How did Paul deal with the pressure and anxiety he faced? The stakes couldn't have been higher for him. In Philippians 1.19, Paul says, I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul points us to the source of power and deliverance. He points to prayer and the Holy Spirit, which he refers to as the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Well, this is perfectly consistent with the direction he gave us in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul wrote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you place your your troubles at the Lord's feet in faith, you, you place them at his feet in prayer, he blesses you with peace. A divine, a divine peace that surpasses understanding. Peace that's given regardless of whether specific requests are granted or not. And this peace is grounded in the promises that you've received in the word of God. And the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart, which testifies to you that his word is trustworthy and true that his promises will not fail, that they cannot fail. Promises like Philippians 4, 19, that say God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You see, not one thing will be withheld that you truly need. You could be confident that the Lord Jesus will provide you with the grace you need to do everything that he's called you to do. You can be sure that he will equip you with divine power to deal with every circumstance. Paul wants the Philippians to know this and to know it not just theoretically. He wants them to grow in their faith to learn that they can be content in whatever situation they're in. He wants the church to be confident in the Lord. Christians need God's grace, especially when you're going through a trial and when you've been shaken for some reason, and when you find yourself in desperate need of encouragement. And as Paul closes this this letter to the Philippians, he does so with a grace-filled final greeting. As Paul brings this book to a close, he aims to encourage the Philippians by sending a greeting from himself and the other saints that are with him and by pronouncing a blessing upon them. And as we've meditated on these closing verses, we've looked at God's grace and we see how God blesses us through the body of Christ. And we've observed how he is building the church and adding to their number and transforming his people. And we've noted that God has promised to provide us with everything we need to serve him faithfully. In this final greeting, we see the unifying, transforming, and equipping grace of Christ. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this book. A little did they know, I'm sure, Lord, we are sure that little did they know when they heard this, this book read in their hearing the very first time um, that this word would be received as, um, would be received by the church as your inspired word. A little did they even envision that 2,000 years your church would grow to be this large and that this little letter would be such a blessing to so many of your people throughout so many centuries. Lord, we thank you for this book. We thank you for the many things that we have learned in the months as we've studied it. And we thank you for the grace and the blessing and the instruction that we've found in it. Lord, we think of the message tonight, um, a benediction of grace. Uh, And Lord, we uh, would confess that we need it. We find ourselves uh, in many ways with the same um, three issues that the Philippians had. And so Lord, we pray that you would equip us, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the the grace, the willingness um, to do what you've instructed us to do. Lord, we want to live unto your glory. We pray that you would help us to do so. And we'd ask it in Christ's name. Amen.